Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, der Ball ist rund und ein Spiel dauert 90 Minuten. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host, his esteemed Royal Highness, the Duke of Reichelsdorf, Simon Maddox. How are you doing, Simon? Howdy, yeah, doing, doing fine. Loving this new intro. It's about time my title got um, a bit more publicity here. There's, there's, there's too many people dissing me in the streets and not dothing caps and tugging forelocks <laughs> yeah they should be all like bowing in a very elaborate fashion mm-hmm. as you as you march down the street I, I, I the image i have in my head is a lot of ermine right <laughs> and and possibly a cane i think the cane is a smart move i think i need to get one that's got like a a deer's horn is it a horn on the deer? I thought it had antlers. Antler. But, I mean, we can talk <laughs> about deer horns. That sounds like a different part of yeah, their anatomy. That's, but, a, that's a different part of it. <laughs> but you're royal, mate. So, I mean, you can do what the fuck you want, right? You can just do any old exactly. shit. You can you can have a deer's yeah, horn yeah. if you want. No one's going to ask any yeah. questions. And I think a goblet as well. A goblet running, runneth <laughs> over with uh, with fine Franconian beers. <laughs> just, yeah. You've just got a surf behind you with, like, a barrel of beer on on the back. I mean, what I'm imagining basically is a sort of 90s version of a pimp Bavarian style. <laughs> that that's a really interesting question. Does that do you think there's like a connection between the sort of culture of of pimp pimp cups and and sort of st- and pimp sticks and all of that jazz and just like royalty? Were, were the were the were the kings and queens of England just really like old age pimps? I reckon <laughs> if if you if you gathered a, a gaggle of pimps in the 90s and showed them pictures of sort of Louis the sixteenth and be like, is, is he pimp? I think you'd get positive responses across the board. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they had like scepters, didn't they? They had scepters and uh, rods of state and lots of jewels, big cloaks. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a connection there. Was he the Sun King? Like that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty pimp name. Or was he was it 15th? No, it's um, Louis the 14th. I don't know my Louis very well. So. Oh, the 14th yeah, was the Louis the 16th was the one that was executed in the French Revolution. I mean, that's pretty pimp. <laughs> what, being executed in the French Revolution? <laughs> I believe that was in his speech, in fact, as he stood on the, uh, on, on the scaffold and he declared to the assembled masses who were baying for his blood, you know, you may be killing me, but I'm pimp. <laughs> pimp is permanent. Oh, I feel this is a lot of cultural appropriation, so we better move on quickly. Anyway, Simon, enough of this idiocy. You've been on some adventures this week, right? Yeah, the Duke isn't exclusive to to the wonderful Shire of Reichelsdorf in the southern You went on a royal tour. I did. It was very much a royal tour uh, in, in, my, in my chariot uh, <laughs> along the Romantische Strasse, the Romantic Road, which, of course, is a huge draw for tourists mm-hmm. uh, for, for centuries now. It is... A lovely bit of tarmac these days that runs right through uh, beautiful Bavaria, ending, I think it ends in, in Fusen. Yeah, it does. Ends um, in Fusen. And yeah, down by Neustrandstein, the castle that the majority of Germans haven't been to. But I was in the lovely little town of Dinkelsbühl um, this week. It's a town I've heard about for ever since I arrived here because, as I've mentioned before, my first job here. I arrived fresh off the plane and then two days later was in Rottenburg ob der Tauber, which is another uh, very famous medieval town on the Romantische Strasse. And I had a few students that, that lived in Dinkelsbühl and were always very keen to tell me how much nicer Dinkelsbühl was because of the fact that it wasn't quite so touristy because, yeah, Rottenburg ob der Tauber is a, a central point uh, of a lot of tourist trips 
they'll do Munich, they'll do Rottenburg to Tauber, they'll do Nuremberg, and mm-hmm. sort of pop in and out, go to Kater Wolfhart, buy a Frankische Schneeball, eat some Haxen, uh, and then get back on their bus and carry on through Germany. And so, yeah, my wife said she wanted to do a little day trip. And I thought, okay, let's do Dinkelsburg. It's only an hour and a quarter, I think, from here. It's, it's lovely. Really nice, well-preserved medieval town. Only a couple of sort of modern German brutalist buildings inside the city walls. Other than that, it's all preserved in a really beautiful medieval way. All the signs uh, are written in, is it Faktur? Uh, like Altdeutsch Schrift, like the old mm-hmm. German font. Like you could have a modern hairdresser's called like, I don't know, the winning cut. Uh, let's say, and it's written in, like, painted on the building in an Altdeutsch. So, yeah, it's got a nice, a really beautiful vibe to it, but it does throw up some inconsistencies. Like, there's an Indian place there, new, newly opened, called the Taj Mahal, and it's weird seeing Taj Mahal written in <laughs> Altdeutsch on this, like, 400-year-old wooden building. But, yeah, it was really nice. I, I would definitely recommend it if you are on the Romantic Road or thinking of, of travelling along the Romantic Road at some point, then, yeah, Dinkelsburg is definitely worth a visit. It is hugely popular with, with Japanese tourists to the point of the sign is written in German and Japanese. Really? Wow. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Japanese font underneath. I've never seen that before. It blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. I can't get away from the Romantic Road. It just runs right through where I live. Mm. I first moved here. I, I was like, the Romantic Road. Because not all of it looks very romantic. It sounds <laughs> romantic, obviously, but there's bits of it that... Are distinctly unromantic, and I, I just I just couldn't comprehend because because it, it is so long because it goes from Würzburg and as you said ends at Fussen. My life seemed to to revolve around seeing signs for the Romantische Strasse, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, is this road like why why is it so romantic? You know, and, and like it didn't I didn't understand it. I was like, is it some kind of where people propose, or is it like some kind of religious thing? And no, it's just a it's just a nice road that takes you through some nice places. Yeah. I do like the idea that Dinkelsbuhl has like a, a deep rivalry with Rotenburg ob de Tauber. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's hilarious though is when you Google search Dinkelsbuhl, one of the first images you get is clearly Rotenburg. Yeah, <laughs> I think like, that's the problem you, they face. <laughs> like, I mean, it, uh, there was a long period of my life where certainly the early years living in Germany, we'd do a lot of day trips and we saw all these sort of beautiful towns to the point that I got kind of sick of it. Mm-hmm. And so you'd end up in like a place like Dinglesburg and you go, oh yeah, here we go. Another <laughs> town. Looks ridiculously beautiful. Well done. Oh, you've got city walls, have you? Oh, look at that fountain. Oh, mm-hmm. for God's sake. <laughs> Just like sort of over, I'd, I'd, I'd over um, absorbed too much German culture or mm-hmm. Bavarian culture. And I wasn't really appreciating it for what it was. But it is, it's a very beautiful place, Dinglesburg. I think it's definitely easy to do that, uh, especially if you have someone like whenever my mum came to visit, mm. the, sh- the the checklist got shorter and shorter on each visit. So I've taken you to all these towns that basically offer the same kind of experience. Mm. And my mum loves churches. Um, so it's like, okay, what new churches can I find? And yeah, that's not really what I'm looking for <laughs> in a day trip, uh, a nice medieval church. She always enjoyed it, so I guess that's the main thing. We were brought up with that. My, my dad was a vicar, my mum was a history teacher, so any t- holiday that we had would inevitably end up looking at a church or a monastery. And I hated it as a kid. I'd be like, oh, why are we having to look at this? The only time I liked it is if they had like a famous uh, knight or something. Mm-hmm. At, 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 like, we went to Canterbury cathedral for instance which is an amazing building and i had like really exciting history behind it with thomas beckett and, yeah. and then his murder in the church and and so that was quite exciting for a little kid uh, but now as an adult i'm nostalgic so mm-hmm. now 
stuff. The cycle begins again because I'll be like be walking around and my wife will go like, oh, let's go, let's go have a look at that church. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> like, what have I become? My nine-year-old self would hate me. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of sort of beautiful places. I mean, Neuschwanstein's obviously the place. I've been there so many times with so many members of my family. Mm-hmm. And I've done it in so many different ways to the point that I never, I never want to go there again. But <laughs> already my brother's talking about coming to visit us in the summer. I'm like, oh God, we're going to go to bloody Schloss Neuschwanstein again, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> this is just horrendous. Oh. But yeah, you're right. I don't think any, I don't know many Germans who've actually been no. <laughs> been there as many times as I have. But. It was always a standard opening question for me in my, when I was teaching at the university. I'd always be interested in how many of my students, and these are what, 17, 18 year olds who all lived within three hours mm-hmm. of, the, of the castle. And it was always like three or 4%. It was a, t- a tiny fraction that had actually been there. And it's kind of mind blowing. You think that would be just like the default family holiday if you live in mm-hmm. Bavaria, you'd go to Neuschwanstein. It's like living close to London, but never mm-hmm. seeing the Thames. It's just, it's, it's kind of weird for me, but it's an old castle and that's kind of the end of end of it really in, for, if you're a young teenager who doesn't get old and inverted commas right it's like what, it's not mid, old, mid 19th right, yeah. century you know I think it's a funny place as well because it's used a lot in the tourist literature and mm-hmm. you see it a lot when people are talking about Germany or they'll talk about beautiful parts of Germany Schloss Neuschwanstein it's very picturesque it sits on top of a very large hill around a mountain range it's got everything you want it's incredibly attractive location but you actually go there on the tour and the walk up the hill to get to the castle is longer than the tour you get in the castle (laughs) and the tour is like it's like 20 minutes or something and you're rounding out again and then you wonder like what why the hell did we come here in the first place uh, you could literally look at the uh the postcards in the in the gift shop and get a good sense of what you were going to look at <laughs> and that that hill walk also instilled a huge amount of fury in me <laughs> I, a lot of judgment maybe not fury but you'd see people who, who took the easy way and literally get do they get pulled up on horses and carts or get they can... yeah they have horses and carts going up and down so you see occasionally like russians and americans being like pulled up by donkey and it's just it made me really angry it's like you've come all this way and you can't even walk up this hill yeah it didn't fill me with love i think i've come to the point in my life where i prefer fortresses over castles um which is not something i ever thought i'd say <laughs> never mind on our podcast but yeah I, I, I like a fort more show me something that's gonna like with withstand an act of like rebellion instead of just be pretty on a post yeah yeah not something that's just dead pretty mm-hmm. but I'll, that's the problem i had in the u.s was that we went to the east coast and it was cape cod and there's a lot of these sort of fantabulous mansions built on whale oil money and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that beaver pelt blubber money yeah exactly like there's just these amazing houses um very great great gatsby right mm-hmm. and my wife was like oh do you want to go in one of these houses and i was like whose house is it and it's like, just some rich guy and i'm like is there any famous artworks no just some just some marble stuff and i'm like what is the motivation like let's go to this rich person's house Mm. and i much more prefer to go see something that's got an interesting story behind it and neuschwanstein does have an interesting story behind it it's a fun place to go but yeah i'm I'm with you i want to see something where 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 some shit went down you know i want to see some exciting history making moments not some quite wealthy monarch spending his family's fortune (laughs) to build a fantasy castle i mean at at some point we have to do a, a special on ludwig because 
there is a lot to cover uh, in his wealth and madness. I might I might get kicked out of Bavaria if I do that because I've got I've got opinions, <laughs> as you know. So maybe maybe it's better we just like avoid that topic so I don't get murdered by my neighbours. Hear me bad mouthing Ludwig. Is it is it that sensitive an issue for them? Do they actually get upset when you slander the Mad Prince? I get a feeling the word. I get a feeling that the Bavarians can be quite spiky about mm. numerous different things. That's like anything, isn't it? People just get very defensive if you if you mention for instance Augsburg's a good example I mentioned it's a few years back Augsburg likes to promote its connection with Mozart because Mozart's mm-hmm. father was born in Augsburg and uh, I mean it's a tenuous link at best right I mean if you go to Salzburg every house is like Mozart looked in this window <laughs> <laughs> Mozart stood here for 25 minutes you know so I mean like Salzburg's certainly making the most of it but Augsburg does as well and I was just like, how lame is that? It's the most lame sort of, oh, this is Mozart's father's house. And you're like, great. <laughs> Did he do anything? No, he didn't. Oh, right, okay. He wasn't a musical genius. Okay, so what are we looking at here? <laughs> and someone got very, very angry that I was disparaging the memory of Mozart's father. <laughs> That's a bit precious, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I mean, the same would be said if someone said something negative about Alan Shearer. <laughs> I'd probably murder them. <laughs> <laughs> we were contacted by a listener not that long ago a venerable gentleman of the highest esteem draped in all sorts of titles and grandeur and i mean it was just clear from reading the opening sentence that this was a person that demanded our respect mate can i what? interrupt you a second yeah. um was his name simon yeah <laughs> Hi, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Simon. Thank you for your email. Thank you very much, Simon. You are indeed a genius. (laughs) Um, So Simon contacted us and asked us if we thought about doing a guide for people who are new to Germany about which football team to select if you are new to the country or new to German football. Because that is, it's a pretty key part of the experience here. Regular listeners will know that Nick is a Newcastle United fan. Toon toon. Toon toon indeed. Whilst I am a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Uh, And that's right, German listeners. If you listen carefully, it's pronounced Tottenham. T-O-T-N-U-M. So nearly half the letters are removed when we say it out loud, which is, I imagine, quite frustrating. Well, just wait till I I pronounce it, because I don't have, I barely have any T's in it. Tottenham. Tottenham. I'm barely even yeah, hitting the first Ottenham. team. Ottenham. 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 Yeah. Sandra will be enjoying this. all these. I'm sure she will. And naturally, we lived in Germany for a long time now, so we're also fans of, of German teams. Nick is an Augsburg fan for his sins, whilst I am a Schalke 04 fan, so it seems that my sins are far more egregious than Nick's, which is quite a realisation to have. <laughs> so, Nick... Why did you choose Augsburg? I've got a methodology that I've had ever since I moved to Scotland, which is always support the home team. Mm-hmm. And and so you're locked in. The first place you live is that's that's my metric. So it's why I've ended up being obviously a Newcastle fan, also a Falkirk fan. Don't don't ask. <laughs> um, and and also an Augsburg fan because it's the first place I moved to, yeah. I mean, this is a perfectly reasonable 
way to choose the team naturally choosing a team of where you're from mm. is, is, is as old as the ages mm-hmm. and of course that, that tribalism is, is a key part of, of people's identity and yeah growing up in Newcastle if you decided you wanted to be a Man United fan especially at, at our age where United were so dominant people would just look at you like you're a glory hunting piece of shit and yeah. you'd sabotaged your your heritage and your identity. Your ancestors were spinning in their graves. <laughs> yeah, I had a, had a few people at school who were Man United fans. The glory hunting thing's a funny one. I mean, obviously mm. that's that's something that we'll dig even deeper into uh, yeah. in a bit. But there was not a lot of respect at school, at least, for those people who chose teams that weren't Newcastle. Newcastle's mm-hmm. special in that respect. It's a one. It's a one club city. So yeah, like everyone was expected to support Newcastle, even at the point where there were like people go, "Oh, well, my, my my dad supports Man United." And it's like, nope, you were born here. Yeah. You should be a Newcastle fan. This is, of course, another key reason to support a team who your father supports, or maybe a brother or something. And yeah, my dad didn't know f all about football. Didn't care. And he was a Man United fan. So I had probably two years as a United fan when I first started watching football. Yeah, I just didn't enjoy it. Like they won everything those two years, but it was just not a great experience for me. And so I ended up choosing Tottenham because a, a friend of mine uh, was a Spurs fan, and I thought he was amazing. And so I ended up being a Spurs fan, and then was, Klinsman joined. Was he called Simon as well? <laughs> he wasn't. He was called Richard. Um, yeah. Never haven't seen him for 25 years now. If I'd followed Nick's system, I would have been an FCN fan, a Nuremberg fan, because that's the city I moved to when mm-hmm. I moved to Germany. I, I liked teams up in the north because of because that's where I grew up as well. But I didn't really care about football too much. But when I moved to Nuremberg, I was like, okay, I'm a Nuremberg fan now. And I just didn't really get into German football in the same way. Mm-hmm. I was still following the Premier League religiously. I had my dad... Uh, recording match of the day onto DVD and sending it out to oh, me wow. so I could watch the highlights uh, the next week. And I, I just kept in touch with, with, with England that way. And obviously being a little bit homesick in a new country, mm-hmm. that was a really important thing for me. And so I just never really fell in love with Nuremberg. And then I met my wife and she and all of her family are Schalke fans. And it just felt right mm-hmm. immediately. Schalke and Tottenham are not similar clubs in many ways, but Schalke wear blue. And mm-hmm. that's a, a key thing as well. They can't wear red. And that's one of my problems with Nuremberg. Um, red is a colour that I hate because I fucking hate Arsenal. <laughs> it's so funny, the tribalism. I always yeah. find the tribalism that you bring over with you. Like I've I've managed to navigate the red and white. Because I actually quite like the colours red and white. <laughs> but obviously Sunderland is New, are, are Newcastle's biggest rivals. Yeah, mm-hmm. screw you, Middlesbrough. No one cares about you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the biggest rivals. And so that was kind of shaped out of me a little bit because I lived in Scotland for so long. And I remember mm-hmm. if you wore blue in the wrong place or you wore green and white in the wrong place in, in Scotland, you'd just get dog's abuse. Like I was in a bar yeah. with a, it was a hooped shirt with green and gray and it was this drunk group across the uh, a few tables from us in a bar who was just constantly giving us abuse about being a Celtic fan. And I was like, mate, like, I don't care. Like, no one cares about, mm. no one hasn't, like, I certainly don't have an interest in Celtic, in Rangers, and the beef that they they have. And it was really vitriolic at that point. I think it still is to a certain extent, but it feels a little less aggro. But I remember seeing pictures of little kids chasing people down the street with axes on the front of the Daily Record. So, I mean, it was pretty intense. 
and you would just get loads of abuse for it. But so I mean, the idea of like hating a color because it was your rival team, since sort of very early on in my formative teenage years, seemed very idiotic. And so I, I try to avoid it if I can. It, I mean, it is idiotic. It is tribal. It's no, very primal. But I think you know it. It's it's very self-aware. Your your dislike of red. <laughs> yeah, I, I I literally have like two red pieces of clothing. Exactly, um, and they've both got Belgium on them, so just to make sure that there's nothing to do with Arsenal. We're not here to talk about Tottenham and Arsenal because that is another special episode about the reasons why we hate one another, and there are many. Uh, just to give one little tidbit, uh, the idiom "sick as a parrot." Uh, is connected to Tottenham and Arsenal. Go on. Because Tottenham, uh, I, I don't know what year it was, I think it was in the, the 50s or the 60s, went on a tour of South America. And they played a lot of clubs in Argentina and the like. And we were given a gift of a parrot. Oh, it's definitely not the 60s, thinking about the timeline here. But we were given this gift as a parrot. And the parrot lived at White Hart Lane and became a, sort of a little mascot for the club and one of the great moments in sort of league admin bullshit is when the owner of Arsenal petitioned to get the league changed and Tottenham were ejected from the top division and replaced by Arsenal and the day that that decision was made the parrot died and that's the origin of sick as really a I didn't know that no. it's always no. such a weird idiom you're yeah. welcome to that beautiful little idiom um anyway Back to choosing. So picking a football team to follow, maybe until the day you die, is no small task. And it's definitely not to be taken lightly. It's a relationship that's going to affect many weekends along the way. It's going to give highs and lows, a roller coaster of emotions, hopefully. I mean, just look at, at Newcastle for a, a, an octoban here. In our lifetimes, they've gone from northeast superstars under Kevin Keegan, to relegation, to lower half premiership mediocrity, to now being the richest club on earth. It's been quite a ride. We're still shit, though. Like, I watched them <laughs> yesterday. We were just appalling. I think that's an interesting point about the the sort of connection that you forge. It has to be more than just winning, and it has to be more... There has to be like a... Like you have with Schalke, there's like a familial connection or a, mm-hmm. or perhaps a connection with where you've lived or a friend or something there has to be that kind of emotional bond with the club that's at least how i feel i I think when people accuse other fans of being plastic fans Mm -hmm. for a club it's often because there isn't that obvious connection and it's never is it's never good enough just to say oh my well my dad supported them especially if it's a a a club like man united or Mm -hmm. in this case at the moment manchester city or Bayern munich or something like that validity is a really Mm -hmm. key part of it and being accused of not being a real fan because you don't have the right connections is is very very difficult to handle because it is an attack on on a belief system yeah it is yeah yeah. football is a religion i mean Obviously, there are levels to that devotion. I mean, Brazil and South America handle their allegiances to their clubs differently uh, than we do in, in England and Germany. But there is still something very, very primal, very tribal and, and religious uh, about the belief that you have that this is the club for you. Mm-hmm. And it's a club that you will love in spite of everything. These are all capitalist endeavours these days uh, in England. And it is about making money and being successful but it's not that the aim of these clubs is not to be rewarding for the fans a lot of the time. It's mm-hmm. about checkbooks and accounts mm-hmm. uh, and trophies. So if you're happy along the way as a fan, this is just a bonus. So there are a lot of things we need to think about when choosing a club. The main thing is what do you want 
from this club? Do you simply want to win everything that's on offer? And some people, that's what they want. They want to be winners. And so if that's what you want, this is a really, really simple episode. It's Bayern Munich. That's just the end of it. You just become a Bayern fan. However, unless you can show a good reason for being a Bayern fan, people will see right through you and see you for the snivelling glory hunter that you are. Good. I had a friend yeah. at university and he was insufferable, right? He was also German, which isn't wasn't, wasn't the reason he was insufferable. <laughs> he was also German. He was he also really. German and insufferable. <laughs> he uh, he supported Barcelona for no, no reason, no real reason. Um, just he did. And also Bayern Munich. And it was in that period in the late 2000s where both Barcelona and Bayern Munich were, were doing quite well. The worst, I think this is the thing, you can be... I think you, you can choose any team you want. Like ultimately, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. We can we can set our own metrics, but this is just sort of personal choice and trying to sort of suggest ways of narrowing down your choices. Mm-hmm. And you can support who you want. And 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 I think it's nice when you have like World Cups and people who don't really like football start supporting football, and everyone sort of feels like a a connection uh, through that. Like. Uh, obviously with the Eng- England success or sort of almost success of, of, of the summer last year mm-hmm. there was like a bond that I felt between like certainly my, my family who don't really like football at all and they were talking about it and were excited by it and so that was like really lovely too and you felt like part of a bigger a bigger thing but like it's those people who sort of support a team don't really know a lot about football don't really have a lot to offer when it comes to conversations about football but then whenever their team wins or beats another team they're like up in everyone's faces going oh yeah like uh," and um you're sort of doing it to make other people feel sort of bad it always reminds me of was it euro i forget which euros it was i was watching the final and there was this american guy who was like just decided he was supporting portugal and he was really loud like he was calling fouls that clearly weren't fouls mm-hmm. he was like calling things offside when it was in the middle of the pitch like clearly didn't know the rules but was like wanting to be like the winner and that obviously portugal i think portugal beat france in the final and lap of honor and screaming and shouting oh. and i was just like oh you're making a real show of yourself mate like sit down and shut up like you're clearly not a portugal fan you know you know one player in the team like don't don't just embarrass yourself like that mm-hmm. But like, if you just say, "Oh, I like the team," and I don't know much about football, but I like Bayern Munich, then yeah, fair enough. I have no respect for you because I'd have no respect for any Bayern Munich fans. But (laughs) 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 like, just just as a natural, I think that's from living in Nuremberg. That's naturally Mm -hmm. acquired distaste for Bayern Munich. But yeah, I think I think it's it's how you manage that support that's quite important too. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people do take the opportunity to to rub success in the faces of others. And yeah, if you want to do that, do that. But you're not going to have any friends. Your funeral's going to be very quiet. <laughs> well, you're very death, death heavy today, aren't you? Your, yeah, funeral's gonna, <laughs> your funeral's going to be very quiet. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. But I mean, the, the fact of the matter is football and like real football isn't about winning every game that's tedious it's it's boring to win every game and it doesn't equip us with the real life skills that football should and could how are you supposed to deal with loss 
whether it be small or large. If you're used to seeing your team win 5-0 every single weekend, when bad things happen, you're not ready for it. You're going to throw your toys out of the proverbial pram and be unable to handle the ugly truth of how brutal life can be. I'm really, I'm dark today, sorry. (laughs) Being a fan of a team that knows suffering, that knows loss and, and tragedy even, that gets your training in. And when, and it's only a matter of when, that life screws you over or throws you a curveball, you're used to that feeling of, of shock and desperation. Mm. And you can push on. You can put your chin up knowing that it's temporary and that next season's going to start soon enough. Whatever league you're in, there's going to be another round. Football goes on forever and ever and there's never going to be a real winner. And that's true of life. You just push on. Humility's an important mm-hmm. thing, right? And I think we talked about sport and rugby last week and... That's what you learn from playing a lot of sports mm-hmm. is that you don't win. You don't always get what you deserve and you don't always get what you want. And being a Newcastle fan for as long <laughs> as I have been and being an England fan for as yeah. long as I have been, I'm f- abundantly aware in so many different ways that you don't always get what what you feel mm. you deserve. And I think it is a, it's a good life lesson to have. But you, you, you see fans of, of teams that feel like they have a God-given right mm-hmm. to win stuff or like... That you have these arguments with people about football, and they'll say like, "Oh, well, we deserve to win," and it's like, "Did you? Did no one deserves to win?" Yeah. <laughs> like I've always said, I'll take an England World World Cup triumph, it, even if every goal is shit, and oh, yeah. uh, like I just don't care. I, like it's, if we win the tournament, that's enough for me. Like it doesn't matter if if Newcastle was to win the Premier League due to like the ball coming in and ricocheting off of our striker's arse, and then sort of like hacked into the net good (laughs) I'm happy with that I'll take it yeah that's fair I mean you do have options of course if you just like the beautiful game Um, and it depends on the management structure so for example at Tottenham Bill Nicholson in the 60s decided that Spurs were going to play attacking flowing football and that's something that I I would rather see Tottenham lose 2-1 but play beautiful football than try and scrape out a 1-0 win playing defensive, tedious football. So Mourinho was not a fun time for me. And I'm far more excited by the swashbuckling approach that we're seeing of of our current manager and Conte, even though he's quite defensive compared to others. But anyway, of course, management is is an issue here. And you, you mentioned clubs that feel they have this right... And so, I mean, yeah, you have great examples in our lifetime with Alex Ferguson at United created a culture and a legacy that will never be beaten realistically in the Premier League. Man United fans who are our age only know or only knew that that success was so powerful Mm -hmm. and so all-encompassing that seeing them struggle to get fourth at the moment, they can't handle it. Like it's 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 almost like earth shattering. And that's not a healthy relationship for the realities of life, I think. Anyway, Moving on from death and destruction. <laughs> but you saw you saw that, like, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this story before. I've definitely told you this story before, but it was the same when, uh, with Bayern Munich, when the the final, oh God, I forget, I forget the years, uh, when, when Bayern Munich was in the final and the final was hosted in Munich and mm-hmm. they were playing Chelsea. And I didn't care because I, like, I've got no time for Chelsea. Like, I find Chelsea... Like it's a nice, great team. I like the players. I find the fans really not very nice, and their sort of experiences with Chelsea fans has not always been positive. And certainly, there's a lot of very negative things that have occurred around Chelsea that you would 
you'd be really upset if it was your own club, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 regardless of whether they're wealthy or not, it doesn't matter. But I I really admired the team, but I don't support them. I certainly don't support Bayern Munich. Um, and at the start of the the game, the Bayern Munich fans held up a, a sign that said "Unser Stadt, Unser Stadion, Unser Pokal." And in that very moment, I was like, "All oh, right, I guess I'm a Chelsea fan today then," <laughs> because yeah. I was just like, "Nah, I'm not having that. I'm not having that sort of. We own it because of location mm. and because of 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 um, our team being in the final. We therefore have to win it." And it was it was quite glorious watching them fail in their own stadium in in such a such a sort of dramatic fashion it was because i was surrounded by by munich fans who just assumed that i supported chelsea Mm. and when after after 90 minutes of that people were literally going ha every time chelsea missed and i was like i don't care i've told you i keep telling you i don't care and then when Didier Drogba scored, I jumped on the table and just went, yes, I was the only person in about 100 people. And everyone just looked at us like I was some sort of demonic entity, but I enjoyed every second of that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, City, Unser Stadt, uh, location is, is a really key part of picking your new German team. So if you have decided to move to Augsburg, like Nick did, it's probably best to do what Nick did and support Augsburg. It'll be cheaper to travel to games. Uh, and you will at once have something in common with a lot of your neighbours, and that's definitely a positive thing if you're new to the country. There are many cities where that choice is easy, because there's only really one large club. But what do you do when you move to a city when there are multiple choices? Well, we at Decades From Home have you covered. So, quick proviso, we are not being exclusive to the Erste Bundesliga, because life has many great options, and it's not all in the top league. We've already slagged off Munich a bit, so we'll start with Munich. Uh, so yeah, Bayern is is the easy, safe, and simple pick. If you don't want to be hated by 97% of the country, be smart. Pick 1860 Munich. 1860 was one of the founding members of the Bundesliga in 1963, becoming the West German champions in 1966, and has played 20 seasons in the top flight. Especially if you are British. Choosing the 1966 champions has a certain elegance to it, I feel. 1860 also have an excellent tradition of having kits that look like you're wearing Lederhosen. Uh, and that's a massive boon, as far as I'm concerned. But, but uh, the both teams do Oktoberfest kits, don't they? They do, yeah. And I love, I love that. I feel like we've been, <laughs> been so horrible to buy Munich. I'm going to show them a little, bit of, a little bit of love. They do have... Fant- some fantastic players that have had a fantastic history mm-hmm. I do like the style of football I love the stadium the stadium is one of the most beautiful stadiums in the world I'd, I'd argue mm-hmm. there's a lot to admire about them but I think I'd feel weird I'd feel weird supporting a club that one thinks <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be it more than anything I'd feel a bit strange about about that 1860 Munich had a, a friend or a an acquaintance at least who was an, uh, an 1860 fan and there's a few around here you see a mm-hmm. few flags everywhere yeah. they're currently in the third Zweit. is it third oh my god okay they're in the Drift really... league and they're in the third league at the moment there's another advantage to supporting a team that's much lower down the leagues is if you're uh, the kind of fan who wants to go on away days you do end up going to some pretty wild places and some interesting locations and seeing some, I feel like real football isn't really the the right terminology, but there is a mm-hmm. with the elite clubs, there's there's an element of like there's, there's something, there's a celebrity kind of stardust around them. I, having been a 
Falkirk fan mm-hmm. and, and had n- numerous experiences in the Falkirk's old stadium of Brockville, which had wooden seats and standing areas. And one of the, the parts of the stadium was closed because the foundations were collapsing. And there's something that I find attractive in that like journey of going to these smaller clubs and seeing these yeah. smaller stadiums. And you feel like you maybe get a, a better taste of what German football is all about, right? Yeah. Following German football isn't expensive compared to following the Premier League if you follow a second or third team you're, you're going to you're going to experience Germany that's, that's really wonderfully authentic it's not just day trips to Frankfurt and, and Berlin uh, you're going to Magdeburg and places like that it's, it's definitely a, a different experience too right yeah yeah also if you're Dutch I think you might like 1860 because their logo looks quite a lot like the the Dutch logo it's got a fancy (laughs) rampant lion on it I Uh, feel like the Dutch aren't going to be supporting many German football teams (laughs) (laughs) at least this one's far away from the Dutch border (laughs) okay so that's Munich next up uh, the capital Berlin now obviously Berlin has a lot of teams uh, some of which are really nice and niche as well if you want to be hipster about it so you have berliner fc dynamo which is a pretty cool name uh tennis borussia berlin is also pretty well known now in hipster circles but for the sake of speed we're going to look at the two main options union and hertha so hertha won the german championship in 1930 and 1931 and since uh 63 uh, their stadium has been the Olympiastadion, the Olympia Stadium. The club is known as uh, Die Alte Dame uh, in German, which is the old lady. So if you're a Juventus fan, uh, maybe that's enough. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we've said that colours matter, so I couldn't support a team that wears red. So if I have to choose, I'm going to go for Hertha because they wear blue. Uh, so if you like blue, maybe Hertha is for you. If you hate all teams in blue, then maybe I can interest you in a nice bold red. Uh, and that is Union Berlin. Now, Union won promotion to the Erste Bundesliga for the first time in the club's history in the 19, uh, 2019-20 season. So you have automatic huge underdog status, which is com- which is really enjoyable. And during the Cold War, Union was based in East Berlin. Uh, so joining the German league structure upon reunification in 1990. So if you want to be cool, like pick an East Berlin side that's like working class, new in the league super authentic it's union uh, union all day long I think if I was arriving today I'd be sorely tempted to choose Union Berlin mm-hmm. like, I, I really like that team it's yep. got all the things that I love about for me it's got to be not just location but story the story of the team's really mm-hmm. important too I think underdog is always appeals to us uh, like when we're watching football and we have no team in in a game, like if we went to the pub and watched a game, we would inevitably support the team that was the underdog, like almost yeah. instinctively. And I think that's something that's good. But they've got so many other facets as well. Like the support is amazing. Like mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed this. We've got a few followers. I've got a few followers who are union fans and they regularly post photos or videos mm-hmm. of the stadium and, and it looks amazing. The badge is amazing. That's a good mm-hmm. sign as well. And also one of the things that like I love, my favorite Newcastle teams are always ones that have like cult football figures in them. Mm-hmm. So um, when we had Shola Amiobi at Newcastle yeah. or when we had um, Nolan or when we had Tino Espria 
and sort of these these uh, Philippe Albert. Oh God, Philippe Albert. Oh. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and, and you'd have these sort of players that, that that had like a connection. And you have some of those in, in certainly in, in Union Berlin. Um, one of which is is Max Cruz, who's mm-hmm. like he, he's a he was a famous footballer before he went there, but he's like the big uh, talisman player, yeah. you know. And and I love that when you've got a player that's maybe slight just probably you could say slightly better than those around him maybe he's head and shoulders better than those around him but there's like a focal point and with an interesting story redemption arcs those kinds of things like i love i love those kinds of narratives and 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 football's a lot about about the narrative right so i think it's really easy to look at teams and be like oh they've got goal scorer like they've got ronaldo they've got kane mm. but i think you're absolutely right sort of max cruz type figure like a jordan henderson at liverpool like musa dembele at tottenham back in the day mm. there is something like again authentic with real integrity about these players so yeah union if you want those adjectives uh they are an, an excellent choice and yeah if you move into berlin People will think you're cool if you're only one fan, <laughs> <laughs> and and after all, that's the most important thing. <laughs> it's pretty key, especially if you've chosen Berlin over all other cities. Being cool is a, is a factor. Uh, next city we got is Hamburg. Now people will be like, huh, Hamburg? They don't play in the top division anymore, and that's why the Proviso is there. We kind of have to talk about Hamburg, even though there is no representation in the top league, but they are really, really vitally important to the the soccer scene, especially internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, high mm-hmm. SV, Hamburg SV, were a force not that long ago. Had some good players, but it's all gone a little bit wrong for them recently. But if you're going to pick a Hamburg club, it's probably not going to be Hamburg uh, High SV. It's going to be St. Pauli, the hipster's football favourite. They have a fucking skull and crossbones on their flag. Like That's pretty much, like that's enough to want to choose them. St. Pauli aren't titans of football. They haven't had massive on-the-pitch success. It's only been modest, really. But they are internationally recognised because they have like one of the strongest social cultures, a really, really mm-hmm. strong following. They are a cult club. They are one of the real cult clubs. And they are really, really clearly identified as being left-wing, aggressively left-wing. If, you, if your left-wing politics is more important than football, then St. Pauli is the obvious choice. The issue with supporting St. Pauli is that it's like glory hunting for coolness. Yeah, it is. It's like, the, the uh, yeah, it is. A little yeah. bit. The weird kind of glory hunting where because they are really cool like they are like incredibly cool club i remember yeah. all living with had housemates who were punks they all had saint Pauli stuff they'd all gone to see saint Pauli. Mm-hmm. that was their sort of spiritual football team uh and so it has that aspect to it also things like the the one of the stories i love about saint Pauli is that you heard about the 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 sausage train What's that? that they had it was like a train that went round the stadium with sausages <laughs> in it. So there was like weird little like strange sort of things that they would do that you'd never see in the quite um, sanitized environments of, of elite football. And so there was like little things like that where they're trying to attract fans in funny ways and interesting ways. And I think there was it, there's this sort of funny stuff in, in, in there. If you adopt saint Pauli, you better yeah. adopt saint Pauli. like you better know all the stuff about saint Pauli because because you'll be sort of open to oh well you're yeah. just a football hipster aren't you you know it's uh, you think it's yeah. a little so, bit yeah. cool it's, it's it's an interesting choice for sure but people in the know are gonna 
I say hold hold you to to account on that. So that's definitely mm. a good proviso there. Okay, the next section is where it gets really really complicated because I've put this together as Rhine and Ruhr, and because this sort of encompasses the heartland of German football. We're not looking at an area with two teams to choose from. This is the region where there are literally hundreds, probably thousands of teams to choose from. You have Dortmund, Köln, Bochum, Schalke, Bayer Leverkusen, Borussia Mönchengladbach, to name just some of the huge clubs from this part of Germany and completely ignoring some of the really interesting and cool picks in the lower divisions as well, like Rot-Weiss Essen and Beispiel. If you are moving to this region, the smart move is absolutely to pick the local team. It will make travelling around your region much simpler because wearing the wrong shirt on the wrong piece of public transport could result in being hallowed uh, <laughs> and being chastised by some, some probably drunk fans. More on these options shortly, but this is the heartland. And so it is. It's a difficult choice to make here. We gave uh, we gave Munich a bit of a kick in, so I think it's only fair that we also give Bayer Leverkusen a bit of a kick in because Bayer obviously is a massive pharmaceuticals company, and they yeah are yeah they're they're owners of of Bayer Leverkusen yeah yeah. And so yeah. there is like choosing Bayer Leverkusen for a lot of people would be considered sacrilege almost because of the, the ethos about the the fan culture and the fifty plus one rule where. Mm-hmm. Uh, an owner of a club can't own the entire club and that the fans are the real custodians of any German football team and, and that's a big ethos that's very different from Britain I think in Britain the fans like to believe they're the custodians but as a Newcastle yeah. fan I'm fully aware that our thoughts and beliefs about football have very little to do with how elite football clubs are running in, in Britain but um, yeah, Bayer Leverkusen have a certain tinge to them, shall we say, that mm-hmm. if you said you're a Bayer Leverkusen fan, people would be like, mm, oh, I'm going well. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just like paracetamol, so I became a Bayer fan. Um, this is something we don't see very often, in the, in, especially in the Premier League. Like if Newcastle changed their name to Glaxo, SmithKline, Newcastle United... Like that would be hugely problematic. But as long as the name doesn't change, the fans can hold on to this idea that it still has the integrity uh, of its origins. Whereas in Germany, you do have your yeah, Bayer Leverkusen, and of course the the new most hated dogs, Red Bull Leipzig. If you want to be hated as a football fan, that, that's the easy choice. Just choose a <laughs> Red Bull team. People will tell you how much they hate your club. Yeah, there's a lot of protests. I remember when Leipzig first formed. One of the things you, that you see, and I'm not sure I've seen this in Britain, but a lot of German football fans will have like fan stickers yeah. and you know like a group of whatever team's fans have been in an area because mm-hmm. there'll be stickers everywhere and like the um, Nuremberg use Andy Cap. he's quite uh, the, the, the British cartoon character mm-hmm. he's quite common and so if you see that there's usually an FCN thing but you also like you'll see various different different types and and i remember for years you would just see various stickers from different clubs that were just like rb leipzig and anti-football yeah. and ban rb leipzig and and i think now things have slightly changed but i think yeah people still dislike them yeah and i mean rightly so it goes against the ethos of of the way that football is run in this country before we get deeper into the proverbial weeds i just want to quickly come back to color because there are some interesting ones to talk about here. So a few more options based on colours and kits. So it's easy if you can pick a team that wears basically the same kit as your first love. Um, Mm -hmm. But that doesn't always exist, unfortunately. So I've got a couple of examples here. Nick mentioned Celtic already. If you are a Celtic fan, then Greuther Furt is definitely your choice. 
green and white hoops abound. If you're a Newcastle fan, like Nick, then Freiburg might work. Uh, it's definitely a, an interesting hipster choice there as well. Not many people will mm-hmm. be supporting Freiburg from the UK. But they've also played in black and white stripes a la Latoon. Uh, if you're a Crystal Palace fan, then you are allowed to choose Bayern Munich because they have played in the similar stripes. <laughs> How would you feel if you met someone and they were like a, a, a British person and they were or an English person and they said, um, oh, I'm a Bayern Munich fan. And you went, why? And, oh, I'm a Crystal Palace fan and they've got the same kits. Would you have any respect for I'd that? I'd have <laughs> a lot more respect. <laughs> I genuinely would. I mean, Palace fans, they've had a rough deal. I mean, obviously, they're doing mm. fine these days and doing well under Vieira. Oh, I've got a lot of time for Palace. I really like they are. Palace, they're yeah. a good club. A lot of integrity. Loud as well. Um, one of the best fan experiences, I'd guess, in the Premier League today. But yeah, so if they want a bit of glory to go with and if they if it's because of the kit I could live with that as it happens Mm. if you like yellow it's pretty much Dortmund Um, a lot of clubs of course are blue or red with a white second kit Uh, so lots of options it's just about finding the correct shade so if you are an Arsenal fan we'll leave it to you to decide if Köln's red is a better match than mine's or Eintracht Frankfurt but there are lots of red shades interestingly one I did find though Burgundy so Burnley fans, Aston Villa fans, there is mm-hmm, no club mm-hmm. that plays in Burgundy on a regular basis. You have some dark reds from Bayern occasionally, but if you like Burgundy, you're shit out of luck. So West Ham fans also struggle. Weird. Yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah. I wonder why there isn't why that became so popular for at least three clubs in the in the English league. Uh, historic clubs as well. This isn't a, a recent colour. It's yeah, the the, the claret and maroon is is a colourway that's pretty popular in the mm. UK. So yeah, I don't know why that, didn't take on here. One of the things that I remember growing up in Scotland that was really a lot of people were Dortmund fans, mm-hmm. especially Celtic fans, but also Dortmund fans because Paul Lambert played okay, yeah, in the famous Champions League win for for Dortmund, and is it ninety seven? I think oh. it ninety eight. Might have been earlier. That was a good reason. So if you have like a player mm-hmm. that you really love who plays for a club, and, and because for a long time English footballers wouldn't play. Abroad, so I had a, I still have a soft spot for Dortmund because they have uh, a lot of English players of well, not a lot, but Jaden Sancho obviously came through Bellingham at there. the moment, the Bellingham at the form. moment yeah. as well. I'll always look out for their results, and I'll always look out for the results of teams where there's um, where you have players that that you like playing for, who, who you've already liked in other teams yeah. playing for them. The Dortmund thing was that was a big thing for a long time, and a lot of people had that really famous luminous yellow mm-hmm. kit that they, they they played in for a long period um that's one of my favorite kits purely based on that if you're okay with winning and losing from time to time a follow-up question is do you like cars uh, because if you do if you like mercedes and porsche then maybe stuttgart is a good choice for you if you like your valve your vw then wolfsburg is a good shout if you love your audi then ingolstadt is also an option and of course bmw Bayerische uh, Motorwerk is, of course, a, a Munich business. So, yeah, you could legitimately say, I like my BMW so much that I'm a Bayern fan. Imagine that metric of, like, I like this car, therefore I support this team. That's funny. And I do, that does make me wonder now whether all, like, the Stuttgart fans are rocking around in Porsches. <laughs> yeah, season ticket holders get a discount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't care about cars at all, then uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, is a great choice. Um, Big club. If you like white and green as well, also a good shout there. Fun to say. It's very well. fun to say. 
and you can look really cool if you walk in and be like, I'm a Borussia Mönchengladbach fan. Then be like, wow, he's been here a while. He can say Mönchengladbach. <laughs> <laughs> Winning isn't everything. We've said this before, and losing is a life skill. So if you want to experience the ups and downs of football, here are some solid options. Hertha Berlin, Werder Bremen, Eintracht Frankfurt. All solid options for mid-table mediocrity and the highs and lows of life. If, however, you want to actively celebrate loss, and maybe the party of the sport is more than key, then hello to Mainz or Alaf zum Köln. Party cities with fantastic fan cultures. Köln even has a live goat as their mascot, the crazy kids. They both have uh, fashions kits in the mm-hmm. way that the Munich teams have Oktoberfest kits. Yeah, I quite like that culture of like specialist kits for, for regional events. Uh, I think that's quite fun. I mean, obviously, we've got we've got a friend in, in Stuart who's a who's a big Nuremberg fan, and he <laughs> was showing us the pictures of the various Christmas market based. I was it, yeah. it was only one that was Christmas market based, but he's collected a lot of the these limited edition kits. And one of them is just um, Nuremberg Lebkuchen top, and I loved. It. It's great. It's a great it's show. So good. It's really good. Show. It's so good. I love that idea, and it's it's better. I feel like the limited edition kits don't feel as obviously scammy as the changing mm-hmm. of kits and having like a third fourth fifth kit that a lot of premier league clubs have That's yeah. like there's something behind it that's a bit more fun and it's a bit more it's like for the fans you know yeah, yeah. And that's what it feels like yeah so if you like getting drunk then yeah mm-hmm. colon and mines are, are very good shouts really and yeah you'll experience the highs and lows that's for sure the next up are you a hipster it's fine if you are really i kind of am i'm a schalke fan with a massive beard no judgment here. Am I a hipster? I mean, you're an Augsburg fan. That's kind of hipster for an English person to be an Augsburg fan. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't call you a hipster, no. no. You you wear smart shoes. <laughs> Unironically. <laughs> you wear smart <laughs> shoes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but if you're looking for a club that is more hipster-esque, you can go for the aforementioned Union, Berlin, and St. Pauli. Or you could be an even more out-of-the-box convention thinker and not for Freiburg Hoffenheim Bielefeld or Augsburg so I guess you are a hipster Nick oh well maybe um, I'm going to I'm have to check I'm going to go to the doctors and ask uh, <laughs> excuse me am I a head doctor am I a hipster can you do a blood test um, the, the thing I was thinking is the other real hipster way to do it would be to support a regional Liga team mm-hmm. one of the best football experiences I've ever had because again thanks to our very good friend Stuart who two shout um, outs you're giving him he's going to be all yeah, over he's because he's, he's a big football lad you know he knows his stuff as well he knows it far better than us mm. but the like if I have a football question about Germany I'd, I'd, I'd defer to him for sure but the he um, insisted that we go and see some regional Liga football and I think it was one of the Erlangen teams that we went to see. I've seen a couple of them, and that experience was great. It was fantastic. The the team we watched, the the home team won six nil, so there's lots of goals. Um, the football was of a good quality. The beer was like disturbingly cheap. I think it was like one <laughs> euro fifty for a beer. Guy making sausages, you get a, a, a Nürnberger um, Dreinwegler for. I think it was almost about the same price. And then even better at the end, they did like an interview, but they had like, it was like a TV interview without the cameras, <laughs> just for just for the benefit of the, the fans. And it was, it was so good. I was so happy and quite drunk. <laughs> Hello, Zuzaman. If I sound a little bit subdued, 
It's because I'm recording this just after putting my daughter to bed. So don't worry about me. I'm full of energy, really. But even still, I'm not going to risk waking my daughter and the obvious problems that that would incur. So I'll try and keep my voice down. Anyway, I want to thank first and foremost Simon, not our Simon, the listener Simon, for suggesting the topic this week. And that's just a reminder that if you do have some ideas for conversations or topics that you'd like us to cover, please do reach out, contact us and let us know. As regular listeners will surely be aware, I'm going to now list all the different ways you can contact us. But first, I have to go into, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. I cannot state how much that would help us so please do if you have itunes uh, give us a rating give us uh, a nice review that would be a real boost to our egos yeah probably you can also now do star ratings on spotify so please do chuck us some stars on there i'm noticing a slight increase on our listenership on spotify so i know you're out there probably not listening to the end bit but we can only hope Anyway, if you're inclined to do that, please do it. Uh, retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag Decades From Home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked with tea, beer, football kits, a nice hat maybe? I don't know. And we'll work out what to do with it once you share it with us. Uh, as ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com, which is how Simon contacted us, so excellent work. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!